what is up everyone welcome to another episode of the process podcast a exciting episode to say the least the buffalo bills are onto the divisional round to face the cincinnati Bengals. almost almost the baltimore ravens almost not even buffalo going to the division round a lot to talk about today getting into the podcast but i'm joined as always by my best friend and co-host nick veronica nick you were way calmer than i was through that whole game yesterday yeah hold up was that uh that would have been jacksonville the bills would have got right that's true. Yes, I'm sorry. It would have been Jacksonville. Baltimore. Yeah, I was. Beats man, I was. I was. I was looking my lips for like three seconds there, being like, "Ooh, the Bills could get Jacksonville instead of Cincinnati," and then they tried to jump, tried to be Superman and jump from like five yards out, and it didn't work. And well, I then really, the I really wanted in the back. I really wanted Mark Andrews to catch him. So he was. He was about to. He got blocked in the back. There should have been a flag. <laughs> the rest were just too slow to chase it. They couldn't see it. You know, they, that, that there, there's a reason why we need, um, you know, you, you want robot refs in the major league baseball. I think we need robot refs in the NFL. They, they have the sky judge who's supposed to be, you know, yeah. Sky judge is ticky tacky sometimes. Um, let me ask you this question before we get into the bill stuff. Do you think Jackson has a chance against Kansas city? They yeah, played already if this they, year. If, if they, they if they play 10. like they played the second half and and not at all at, like the first half, it was Trevor Lawrence went from Peterman to to Peyton Manning at halftime. I don't know. I I mean you're not wrong. I think um, they had Michael Michael's secret stuff at halftime. Yeah, Michael's secret stuff. Yes, yes. Remember when it was Josh Allen's secret stuff for a while? Um, I'm actually looking up. Uh, versus KC. I wanted to see. I know they played earlier this year. They lost by 10, but I can't remember how good Jacksonville really was in that game or mm-hmm. if it was a 27-17 victory for Kansas City. It's really before Jacksonville came on, but Trevor Lawrence was still 29 for 40, 259, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, big Christian Kirk game. Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things, 26 for 35, four touchdowns, one to Kelsey. Um, Pacheco ran the ball for 82 yards. So, you know, just your typical um, Kansas City Chiefs football game there. We'll, we'll see what what Jacksonville can do. I think Jacksonville's offense is finally rolling a little bit. You know, obviously we know what happened with Trevor Lawrence in the first half of that game against the Chargers, which, by the way, uh, Staley should have been fired before they even got back on that airplane going home. <laughs> um, but you know what to expect, I feel like, with, with this uh, uh, Chiefs defense – I don't know if this Chiefs defense is better than last year's Chiefs defense. I don't think they are from what I've seen, you know, but I haven't watched a lot of Kansas City Chiefs football. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to take a page out of your playbook and say, let's get there first. Just worry about this week first. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Chiefs the Chiefs look good in their rolling and in their offense. Mm-hmm. Doesn't put their defense in bad spots, kind of like the Bills did this week. Yeah, let's let's talk about that, man. The Bills put the the defense in some bad spots, and you know I, I got a lot of crap from uh, Miami Dolphins fans this week, pretty much saying like like, oh well, you know, if we would have had Tua, we would have won the game. If we would have had Tua, we would have won the game. I'm like, maybe Skylar Thompson isn't the reason why you guys were even in that game, right? In my opinion, Miami was not in that game because of Skylar Thompson's play. My, Miami was in that game because of a bad interception a bad kickoff, a bad um, uh, missed uh, field goal. It just was a complete fall apart, right? Just everything. Whatever could go wrong for Buffalo did for about eight minutes. And in those eight minutes, Miami was able to come out and do something with the football and put points on the board. Two bad interceptions. A bad fumble by Josh Allen. You know, I don't blame him for either one of those interceptions. Um, it did seem like on the first one to Brown there was some mis- miscommunication. But that second one to Beasley, that hit Beasley around the numbers, man. you got to have that ball. Yeah, or at least, uh, you know, play defense on it. Something there, right? And then on the fumble, too, I mean, Josh Allen's got to do a good job, of, you know, a better job of picking up that blitzer coming off the edge. Because he came in off untouched, it didn't seem like he even picked him up because he didn't even look that way when he dropped back, and you know he had Singletary wide open in the flat. All they had to do was jump that ball to Singletary, and he may have picked up the first down there. Um, however, you know that's neither here nor there at this point. I think it's just a matter of Buffalo just needs to clean up the mistakes, and this has been a Buffalo Bills team who all season 
has been, I don't want to say mistake free because they definitely have not been. They've been a sloppy offense that has somehow gotten themselves to 14 wins on the year. That That's kind of fair. Um, yeah, it's so weird to think about, like all the mistakes they make. And then, you know, at the end of, you know, you go home at the end of the game, like, oh, yeah, they put up, they still put up 33. You know, it's, it's, it's so weird to think about, like, what their potential could be if they, didn't make all those mistakes. I mean, and you talk about that. If if there wasn't a drop touchdown by Dawson Knox, a dumped a dropped uh, deep pass by Khalil Shakir. I mean, Josh Allen almost could have thrown for over 500 yards this game. Just a couple of bad drops here and there. Different football mm-hmm. game. And look, I get it. Early on in the game, Miami had some drops too. But I honestly don't think that the drop by Waddle early on in the game was going to make that much of a difference to how this game played out one way or the other. I don't think Miami marched just down the score. Touchdown there. I mean, you're saying that, but the yeah. final score was three points difference. Like, who knows? It was because the Buffalo was beating themselves. Buffalo's biggest threat to the Super Bowl is not the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. The Their biggest threat is themselves. And if Buffalo can learn not to beat themselves, they are a Super Bowl team, in my honest opinion. I think this team can win a Super Bowl. They got the defense to do it which we'll talk about the defense here in a couple minutes, but they have the defense to do it. That defense looked like the defense of old, even though I know they did have 31 points put on the board, one of which came off of a, a, a scoop and score on the defensive side of the ball for, for Miami. But you have – everyone is there. You have the pieces. Gabe Davis finally came around looking like a number two receiver yesterday, which we have missed all year, right? Made some big catches when he had to. So a couple toe, toe-drag swags when he had to. Uh Stefan Diggs got involved really early in the game and seemed to fall off. From what I've seen and read, it looks like they were kind of uh, shadowing him a little bit, putting two guys on Stefan Diggs, not really allowing him to get open. Um, so Josh Allen had to kind of rely on the Dawson Knox and, and to, to, to rely on um, Davis and rely on Beasley there, um, which I thought he did a better job of, but too much forcing the ball downfield. Yeah, I mean, when I was going back and looking at it, and, and before I even say this, let, let's turn turn the clock back to, like, I don't know, any point in the 2010s. And, like, imagine complaining about about how good the Bills won a playoff game. You'd just be like, wait, what? Like, take, we'll take it. So do need a little bit of perspective here. But, yeah, going through the stats, and I'm looking at it today, and I'm just, like, in my head, I'm like, how was the game that close? Like, it feels like the Bills – outplayed them and then you you know you looked up and it was it was a one possession game most of you know the the second half and i'm looking at the stats and total yards 423 to 231 huge difference the passing dolphins rushed for 42 and their net passing was 189 like nothing here is screaming like that this should have been a close game bills outrushed them they outpassed them Miami's rushing, rushing per play, 2.1 yards per rush. Like, that's terrible. The Bills were so much better in every facet. And I'm looking, you know, penalties. Wasn't penalties. The Bills only had two penalties, and one of them was a kickoff out of bounds. Miami had seven. So, you know, you're, you're going through, like, well, where is it? And in two spots that I found, one of them is turnovers. The Dolphins had three takeaways to the Bills, too. And, you know, obviously you mentioned one of them was scoop and score, which is huge. And I think Mm -hmm. NFL research tweeted something about if you win the turnover differential and have a defensive touchdown, like the winning percentage for that in the playoffs is like astronomical. Mm -hmm. And Dolphins lost. I think somebody else might have lost uh, on Saturday, too. Um, So that's one of them. And then, like, the only other thing that's, like, jumping out to me is some of the hidden yardage between the penalty on the kickoff interception return yardage and and kick punt returns Miami mm-hmm. had some good punt returns they like, had a big punt return yeah like that those like they had well over 100 yards in in returning so um i mean i guess that's the stuff that makes it look closer but even you know the bills scored the bills had two interceptions and they scored touchdowns on both those drives Miami had three turnovers and they, and they scored 17 points on those possessions it was it was you know they didn't drive the ball very consistently against the bills defense they didn't you know they really didn't go down the field and look threatening and yet the score was 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 still so close because they took advantage of their opportunities so you know if i'm looking back here i'm probably thinking that this is you know our frustration here is more on the offense than on the defense the turnovers really 
put them in bad spots, and Miami was able to capitalize on that. So, well, I, can- yeah, go ahead. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get into like OC talk here, but but down the road. But like, let's just let's keep it on the field for now. Yeah, well, yeah, I definitely want to talk about OC stuff because I think there's a lot a lot of blame to also put there as well. But you talk about turnovers, Nick. In the last eleven games, Josh Allen has had twelve interceptions, fumbled the ball thirteen times, and lost five of them. Wild. Right now, now look. Now that's not saying that those stats are you know those obviously those fumbles are including the ones where he's reached for a first down and you know the ball's literally been out of bounds, fallen out of his hand, it went out of bounds, no big deal, you know. But you can't have your your quarterback turn the ball over that much in games down the stretch, and it has just been a consistent issue for Josh Allen lately. Really, ever since you want to go back to it, it was ever since the second half of the Green Bay game something flipped in Josh Allen. It was almost like he took a regression after that Green Bay game, and he has not been the same Josh Allen really the rest of the season. That's fair. We'll see what what they draw up, but, but you brought up OC talk, which I would really like to talk about because I think there was a lot of rookie mistakes, I guess you could say, by Ken Dorsey in certain situations where he just kind of didn't seem what didn't – don't know what he was seeing. Um, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are your thoughts? All right, so based on what I'm about to say off a couple of tweets from ESPN Stats uh, or Next Gen Stats, I'm sorry, NFL Next Gen Stats. Maybe it was ESPN Stats Info is one of them too, but um, you know, in the broadcast, Tony Romo, who, by the way, I used to really look forward to, and he's kind of just like getting on my nerves lately, but um, he did, <laughs> he, he did, he he did make um, a really good point talking about, about the cover zero look and the zero blitz and really what that what that did. So if if Miami is bringing one more guy than the Bills can block, you know, in theory you should have favorable passing matchups if you can wait long enough to get the ball there. Um and and whatever the, the stat was that the Bills um were presented with that look more times than they had been all season or, or in several seasons or something and it seemed like their response to that was was to keep throwing deep so whatever coverage Miami put over the top to balance out the overload blitzes Allen sees that in his pre-snapper it is I like my shot deep and they said and then so the follow-up to that is Allen took more throws actually you know what? I'm gonna look this up and I want to get it right and I will prefer you know lead this into OC stuff by saying I tweeted during the game the Bills offense feels like a 12 year old on Madden because it's just a deep shot, deep shot, deep shot. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Middle school Nick on Madden, I wasn't looking at wide receivers less than 10 yards. Are you kidding me? I'm trying to no. get, you know, I want gains out here. You know, if there was, Char- you know, Charlie back- and Madden now does the same thing. <laughs> yeah. If there's, you know, the same thing if there's a back out of the backfield, I'll look for one of them short. But if you're lining up wide, you better get down. Feel like, I don't know. That's like a stupid, a stupid Madden thing. But. Okay, so here, here's the stat. It says Allen was blitzed on 52.2% of dropbacks, his highest rate based since 2020. Allen countered that by throwing 11 deep passes, the most by any quarterback in a game this season. So again, so Josh Allen on those deep passes, he threw 11. He was 4 for 11 for 139 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. So if you saw his spray chart, it was kind of insane. Like, it, like how many just deep 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 ball and i think deep is what what is what do they consider deep anything more than 20 yards downfield mm-hmm. might be deep uh so what whatever Allen saw in his look he said i you know i like that matchup i'm going to take a shot and he's got the howitzer he's got the guys to to catch him and for whatever reason it just, like i mean some of them were you know close some of them were drops and some were were not really close and those are hard to hit but it really really felt like this is where you need your offensive coordinator to step in and, and like help nudge Josh Allen in the right direction or help call a different play or I don't know audible you know change some route whatever the case might be to to help him just be a better version of him like like this is where we're well past a game manager quarterback like Josh Allen is going to be Josh Allen. He's great because he can do things off schedule that no one else can do that type of stuff. You need like, like help him be a better version of himself. Like still, you know, if three of those turn into taking a six yard completion instead of an incompletion downfield, 
or a really long overthrow that gets picked off and returned 40 yards. Like, I don't like somebody's got to get in his head and, and I don't, I don't know that that to me was one of the most frustrating parts is that they kept doing the same thing and it wasn't working. And it's like the same low percentage thing that everyone knows is low percentage. And they just keep doing it when the easy stuff is right there. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to quote friend of the podcast, Nate Geary here. Um, Nate said last night, I think I actually sent you on Twitter. Yeah, it was a good, um, good, good tweet. Yeah, so so Nate says uh, his OC, speaking of Josh Allen and um, Ken Dorsey, his OC has to save him from himself. If the answers uh, Dorsey was given Allen against man was continued deep shots and Allen takes them, I don't know how you can be mad at Allen. I do think, however, Allen bailed on some clean pockets. Overall, another bad Dorsey game. Um the other thing to take away too, Nick, is from the press conference that I, I gathered, and you know, this is trying to read Sean McDermott talk, which is sometimes not the easiest thing to do, mm-hmm. but it did seem like in in from what Sean McDermott said, it sounded like those plays were the plays designed were, you know, that's what Dorsey was calling the deep shots. You know, you got two deep shots back to back to Davis tiptoeing the the sideline there. Those passes shouldn't happen. I don't care one on one coverage or not. There's no reason you're taking those chances there. In the fourth quarter alone, Nick, Josh Allen, um, in the fourth quarter, which I have it right here if it would work for me, um, in the fourth quarter playing with the lead, Josh Allen had an average target depth of 26.3 <laughs> yards in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Wait, which is unbelievable. Yards in the fourth quarter. With like, playing, playing with the lead. Like, like we've had Bill's quarterbacks who's like a dot might have been like 2.3, not 23. Right. Right. 26.3, which is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like Jeez. why? Again, do you want to go back? Is it sugar high Josh Allen? Because this was not playoff Josh Allen that we saw last year. Playoff Josh Allen that you mm-hmm. know people were talking so much about. Right? I mean, it really didn't feel like sugar high. You know, honestly, if you go back to the Patriots game, it was kind of the same thing where, you know, taking – High risk, high reward plays, and they just happen to make them with with right. some unbelievable catches. Which you know what? If you go back to what happened early on in this year, right? You didn't see that the first two weeks of the season. You didn't see them taking those deep shots, those high risk, high reward plays, right? You were seeing this offense taking what was given to them and doing what they had to do to get points on the board mm-hmm. to uh, you know to, to to win a football game. And they did that in pretty convincing fashion the first two weeks of the season. And all of a sudden, the play call completely changed. It changed to forcing Josh Allen to throw the ball deeper downfield, forcing guys to, you know, I don't know what kind of routes these guys are running half the time, but it doesn't seem like guys are getting separation anymore. You know, those, those, the, 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 the design plays that Dorsey is calling up, you said it perfect. It's, it's Madden like. Mm-hmm. And like, I literally had the thought again. And you're, you mentioned the back to back to Gabe Davis down the sideline. And on one hand, I'm like, I love the confidence. You're like, you know, the, you know, this is a, a play that some quarterbacks do like maybe once a game. And he's like, yeah, I took my fifth one today. <laughs> Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I trust my guy. Go get it. Yeah. Kind of love that. But on the other hand, like, why is that alarm not going off in your head? They're like, hey, man, no one, no one ever throws. 11 balls farther than 20 yards. Maybe, maybe I should just like, like think like, like there was no, I don't, I don't know that there were, it didn't seem like he was, he was, you know, searching around for a short, a shorter target who wasn't there. And then just decided to chuck it. Like that was, that was plan a, it felt like. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like I said, it's maddening and, and use that in multiple ways here. Right. It's maddening to watch. Say maddening because I maddening. like that. Yes, that, that's like that. kind of the word. I like that. Yes. yes. Well done. I see it, what you did there. To, to, to watch this offense perform this way just because, you know, I someone someone posted it. I'm going to send it to you right now. Someone posted a uh, video of some Brian Dable plays. And I'm like, man, we have not seen that. Yo, I missed Brian Dable yesterday bad. All year, right? Like we have not seen that all year. What what type of play are you referring to here? Just so I mean every can, play can that he so so for example some of the plays that they have drawn up right was the um, the big play against uh, San Francisco last year with the mm. you know little play action to McKenzie. They also had the play against the Broncos 
where he fakes the screen and hands off to Singletary for the touchdown. Singletary takes in from five yards. Um, they had the big one against the Cowboys where they faked the man. All right, I'm I'm, I'm watching this video now. This right. is, this is like a super cut of some of the more innovative plays the Bills had. And we'll, we'll, it, I'm I'm going to make sure we share this to the to the podcast yeah. page too, right? Like, so get, I mean, so there. obviously you know seeing this is better than, than hearing two guys talk about it. But it, it's like the multiple layers that these plays mm-hmm. had: the misdirection, the the you know the orbit motion, whatever it might be. There, if this is, I almost didn't realize it until I see this video. It's like there was so much more going on with the bills plays that like just literally just for the sake of stressing certain defenders and making them make a choice and having an option coming off of it. Like it's hard. I know that probably might sound super confusing, but like I'm watching this video like, Oh yeah, that's what it looks like to, you know, make three different guys have to have to make a split second call. And if any one of them are wrong, bills have a wide open option. And it's crazy to think that, you know, this fan base wanted Dable fired last year at one point, right? I was not in that in that percentage for the record. I don't think either uh, of us were. You no, might, are, we might are, are you in the Dorsey percentage, though? Um, I don't know if I'm in the fire Dorsey percentage. Right now, I'm uh, – so the Carolina Panthers reportedly want to hire him for their – or interview him for their head coach opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay, happy trails. Yeah, well, what about Joe Brady? I mean, Joe Brady exactly. Uh, well, they they have they have a uh, an heir in house already. Joe Brady's been an offensive coordinator. He's been a play caller. He is the heir apparent. And by the way, I love his Twitter game. The only <laughs> tweets Joe Brady sends after a win, want to know. I love, I love that week. you brought that up because it was on my list to bring that <laughs> up today. So I'm glad that you that you mentioned that because. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big Joe Brady fan, right? You go back to what he did yeah. at LSU with with Joe Burrow. I I thought he was kind of the scapegoat in Carolina for 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 rule, um, which is fine. I mean, look, he came to Buffalo. He's, he's he's a good QB coach. He seems to have good rapport with Josh Allen and works well with the quarterbacks. Um, I want to see, I want to see him get another chance. But the Jets are apparently interested in him. I don't want to see him go to the Jets. I feel like he's going to be another scapegoat there for Robert Sala with the Jets if he has to. He said, with, "I'm sorry, with, you're with talking, she said Joe team. Brady has interest." Joe Brady is getting interest from the Jets, yes. Oh, interesting, interesting. So so if Buffalo decides to make a move and get rid of Dorsey, then I think they need to make a decision on what to do with Joe Brady. You know, the, the hardest thing for oh, sure. Me, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't fire Dorsey. I mean, I don't think they're going to fire him anyway, but you definitely wouldn't fire him without knowing for sure that Joe Brady would be next. I feel like if you if if Joe Brady leaves, right, you need to bring someone in that can help Dorsey run an offense. Because it seems like, uh, too, okay, yeah, yeah, I hear right, what you're It seems like too many times you're getting into situations where you have multiple receivers within feet of each other on the same, you know, running similar routes. Why? Mm-hmm. That Why does are, happen a weird amount, right? Like I've never seen that happen in a football game before, and I've been watching football for 32 years. Never seen that happen before. It's like a high school problem. Exactly, exactly. And so, and, and I just feel like, or even the one yesterday, Alan, like. Well, I guess this is not not in the same realm of issue, but the, it was kind of funny. It looked like he overthrew one guy, and then just happened to be right in Diggs' lap. No, he went to throw it to Diggs, and Shakir caught it short, or vice versa. He went to throw it to Shakir, whatever. Oh no, no, no! He went to throw it to Diggs. Shakir tried to get it and 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 jump for it and missed it. Uh, okay, okay. So you you, it, you yeah. think that? I mean, I, I didn't. I guess I didn't have a good view of the replay. You think that? It was intended for the deep, deeper target. It is It was intended for digs, but Shakir was also wide open. But yeah, like they okay. shouldn't be that close. That shouldn't be a, a thing. You know. All right. I mean? Well, like, you know, down the field, maybe that that's not as bad as is. Maybe, but you're also not. It's not like Josh Allen was scrambling there to make the throw. Like, there's no reason that they should be that. You know, if they're running a route, that route should not be like that. That's just my opinion. Look, I didn't. I never played professional football. I only, you know, I played on video games and I talk about it here with you. So, you yeah, know, really, I mean, what, what do I well, know? But sometimes, you know, guys get held up in their route and then that's credit to the defense for pushing them off the route. Yeah. No, I, look, figure something out, though, going forward with, with, with Dorsey. If, if the plan is to stick with Dorsey, fine. I'm okay with that. The plan is to move on from Dorsey. Fine. I will say Josh Allen seems to like Ken Dorsey a lot. I think he does, too. The problem is... You know, and, and this is where it's hard to be such a critic of Dorsey as well, right? It's not like the offense has declined, right? 
Josh Allen had one less interception this year than what he had last year. Maybe his fumbles are up. Sure, I really haven't looked into fumbles for mm-hmm. that. But Josh Allen had one less fumble this year than what he had last year. Josh Allen, I think this offense had 100 more yards or so than what they had last year. So there's really not a drop-off in the performance of this offense. You know, the running game, I think that, you know, one positive from Dorsey as well is that you really saw the running game kind of get going towards the end of the year. Did not see that yesterday. Um, the other thing that confused me with, with some of the play call yesterday, though, is how many times we see Josh Allen designed runs throughout the year. And I think we only saw one Josh Allen designed, designed run all game yesterday. And he picked up a huge first down on third and 12. Uh, for the record, total fumbles. So this this does not mean that he lost them all. Last year was eight. This year, 13 in the regular season. And he, I think they credited him with three fumbles yesterday. Two of them were recovered by the Bills. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he. Uh, I know he had one that he was reaching out there early on and just kind of got knocked out of his hand, but he was out of bounds. No big deal. Um, and obviously we know about the other one with the <laughs> they try to call that one an incomplete pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um let me ask you this. So talk about incomplete passes. The Stefan Diggs catch. Was mm. that a catch? I'm gonna go with no. I really wanted it to be. Uh it just it didn't look like the ball was secure enough with the combination of the time when the feet were down. See, okay, in my opinion. Again, I don't know what the heck a catch is and what the heck a catch isn't. They called that Jalen Waddle catch a catch, but a couple weeks ago, Poyer did the same thing off an interception. They called it incomplete. Okay, dude, the Poyer interception absolutely was a catch, in my opinion. There has to be some clarity there from someone that can clear that up. But the, the Stefan Diggs catch, why not call that a touchdown on the field and then review it at that point? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, I get. I don't love like the auto review rule. Like, like it should trigger if it's a potential score either way. Like, they shouldn't have that. Shouldn't be in your head. Well, they could just review it. Like, like I, I would say, give the guy on the field confidence to make the call he thinks is right. But there shouldn't be a bonus if you call a touchdown. It can be a free review, and if you don't, then it can't. Like, just review all potential scoring plays. Why is this so hard? That you know, yes, I think anything that where where the ball crossed the plane, whether it's it's called incomplete on the field or not, I think everything should mm-hmm. be looked at. And and it was a shame that Sean McDermott had to waste time out there because I really think Buffalo could have put seven up at that point instead of three. Yeah. Um. But McDermott had to do something there to see if they were going to take a look at yeah, it. I think he had every right to be fired up about it. Yeah. Speaking of rules that can be changed, can we please change how we score or how we officiate delay of game? It's, it's oh a my ridiculous gosh. system. How it many delay games so, should Miami have had yesterday? Yes. So right now, for everyone who doesn't know, the way it, the way it works on the field, the play clock is winding down. The official is supposed to look up at the play clock, see that it is firmly at zero, then look back to the ball at the snap and see if it has moved or not, and then blow the whistle after that. So, you know, how much time does that actually take in practice? Like probably less than a second, but like, that's what we're talking about here. And when it hits zero, that's supposed to be zero. Okay. It would be so easy to have something like more, make it look more like an NBA shot clock where it lights up brighter when it's at zero, like to make it easier for the refs to see. I I've said one tweet yesterday that it should buzz, which I don't know. Thinking about more. I don't think you want it to buzz in case the refs are cool with letting it go. Like you don't want somebody letting up and getting injured or anything like that. But like we should, if that's how they want, if they want it to be officiated, they should make it way easier for the referees to see that it's wrong and blow it dead. Because this happens in almost every game where it's like two, one, zero. Are they going to blow it? Are they going to blow it? It's like, like two, like two beats and then they snap it and no one. And it's like, what are we do? Like, is this a rule or is this not a rule? Because, not only is there the 40-second clock, there's also, like, if the referees take too long to set the ball, you see them pumping up the arm, and they reset the 25. And Miami even had one a really egregious delay game that they actually called. They pumped it back up midway through the play, and they still got delay game. I yeah, think that. Mike McDaniel said somebody in his headset from his team said it was first down, so they had they sent in different personnel and then had to get them back out when they realized it was still fourth down. I, I did see a good tweet on that from a Miami fan. I don't know if you 
I'm not a big fan of him, but um, that smoke guy that was going all over with Bill's Mafia the whole weekend while he was in Buffalo and all that, he did make a tweet. He goes, how come every Dolphins fan in the stadium knew that it was fourth down, but McDaniel had no idea? He goes, I don't buy that it was coaching or anything like that telling him a first down. He goes, everyone knew that that was a fourth down. I don't have a good answer. I wasn't in the headset there. But anyway, if you want you want a real easy change to make the NFL so much smoother and less frustrating to like the dumbest viewer in the world can can watch that and say, hey, it's zero. Why did they let it go? And like not really have it and like, well, this is the way we've always done it with, you know, really old, you know, mm-hmm. some older men out there hoping that they get it right. Like make it light up big, make it so much easier to call. I don't is it should should more officials have the power to blow that dead? Does it have to be? I don't really know how that how you know that works. Does it have to be the, the I don't know. Just make it easier on them to do their job. Yeah, to your point, I don't know if a light up shot clock changes that, right? I think there's gotta be all the all the refs wear earpieces, right? There's some kind of communication. Why not have a countdown in their earpiece? Five, four, three, two, one, and like some kind of alarm or something go off in their earpiece. They all have them on. So why not use, utilize those for something outside of talking to each other and not talking to you know the guys upstairs? There's got to be a way to, you know, to signal that, right? You have mm-hmm. someone able to signal to them that the um, uh, what do you call it? That the uh, uh, plays being reviewed from New York. Why can't they have that looked at? Mm-hmm. You know, or something like that in their headphones. That, that has to. There has to be an easier way to do it. The NFL, you know, for everything they're trying to do to make the game safer and change the rules and yada, yada, yada. That's got to be a rule that they got to get changed. Cause that has been an issue for, you know, not it's just so this year, easy though. for years. It's like, you know, you don't have to judge, you know, what was his intent? Did he have possession of the ball? Did he mean to, you know, target? It's like, no, no, it was zero. It wasn't one. Mm-hmm. It was zero. And they were too late. Like that's the easy, it should be the easiest damn thing. And they can't get it right. No, no, I agree with you. There's got to be something that they can do. To fix that, I, I really don't know. Don't know. Yeah, what. Hey, wh- while we're on the subject of, of stupid game administration, there was a tweet yesterday from Next Gen Stats, and a lot of people seemingly maybe didn't realize this was true. But so, you know, when Tyler Hunley on the Ravens jumped for the end zone and, you know, what was short, they tweeted us that. They said, How close was Tyler Hunley to crossing the plane with the football? According to the chip in the ball, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line. And many people seemingly like hadn't realized until it was literally spelled out for them. There is a chip in the ball. And if you've ever seen like the dot diagrams, that's because there's a chip in everyone's shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. And the ball's in that diagram because there's a chip in it. Like, so just in case anyone didn't like put two and two together, like let's just call it. And I, a ton of people like I hadn't realized. So maybe listeners, of this I, podcast, I did not know that till you tweeted about it. So I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't well, know there was chip till just now in the shoulder pads. Yeah, that's how that's how they they track. Um, I mean, we we see it in dot diagrams and stuff. And, and, but uh, you know, the teams have you know speed on there. They have all kinds of stats. I think. I mean, the the NFLPA was worried. You know, could some of this data be used in in salary negotiation like if you see a player over the last x weeks you know wasn't running as fast anymore like literally trackable as fast you know why would why would the nflpa agree to wear those and like have that used against like that that was a thing that they were negotiating but like um i don't you see it with baseball there's tracking you see all kinds of stuff um anyway point being there's a chip in the football you don't need to rely on somebody spotting the ball or the sticks or what. Like, just use the damn chip. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, there, there, so, something's wrong somewhere, right? There's got to be a way to fix it. I think the NFL needs to come up with something. I think they will. I think there's going to be enough people, especially after that game this past week. I think there's going to be enough people that are going to say, we ought to make a change because this was on national TV and too many people saw mistakes that were not called. Because there should have been three or four delay game penalty calls that weren't called. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Char- Charlie, do you, you have your computer up in front of you? I do. All right, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're listening to this, you can do this during any live game, especially during the playoffs. It's harder during the regular season because there's so many at one time. But during the playoffs, every game is one at a time. Type in your address bar, nextgenstats.nfl.com. nextgenstats.nfl.com and then click on the tab that says live. Okay. 
Oh, so it's going to give me, I see it right now. It's giving me the buck stuff. Showing me guys moving around. Dak Prescott throwing a touchdown. Tidy. Okay. So God, they missed two extra points already. Holy oh my cow. Really? Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no point. Okay. So the point is like, if you are sitting at home and you're watching a live game, you can bring up this page. There's chips on every single player. It's showing you guys on the sideline. It's showing you every football that's like in play on the sidelines that the I, ball I, boys. I are was carrying. just gonna say that it's literally showing the, every football moving and where each football is on the yeah, field. Yeah, like this is like, it's it's uh, kind of amazing technology. And even um, I guess you're not seeing it exactly presented this way because the jersey numbers are. Um, you know, everyone, everyone's a circle in this view and the Jersey numbers are horizontal so that you can, you know, le- read them left to right. But mm-hmm. this tracking does have, I've seen other views of it. Um, they can tell if a player was, was facing forward or facing backward um, somehow based on this technology. And that is how um, they, they, it, that helps create stats like um, expected rushing yards, like how far away were you from a blocker? You know, obviously it makes a difference if you're running behind a guy who's got his back to you or if you're running behind a guy who's got his arms and shoulders about to come hitch. Like, that makes it – anyway, they can tell which way you are. Like, this is great technology. I'll say it one more time. Nextgen, G-E-N, stats.nfl.com, and then click on the live tab. During any any live game, you should be able to see this. Uh, definitely during the playoffs and in the regular season when there's a bunch of at one time, I don't know how that works, but some other neat things in the, on that page, you can see live passing charts. You can see rushing by direction, uh, receiving, they show you like separations that I don't know. It's kind of interesting, but if you want to like visualize how the tracking works, that is, is up there right now. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, maybe 10 extra balls just like on the sideline that the ball boys must be carrying that are chipped and are being tracked in real time during the game. Yeah, that's crazy. Like it's literally showing like as a ref's carrying the ball down the field that he has set up for a, mm-hmm. um, by the way, side note, uh, the Cowboys kicker has now missed his third extra point tonight. Are you kidding? It, it oh my gosh. The game should be 21, nothing. It is 18, nothing Cowboys. Wow, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the betting line on ended up being, but I'm sure <laughs> yeah. some people are very happy and/or mad about this. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, is I, it, mean, th- I gotta look up. This is a record. I'm gonna look this up in real time. Keep yeah. Talking. So while while you're looking that up, Nick, um, we did have a few questions come in. I did ask on the podcast uh, Twitter page. Oh, we love that. To today's 34-31 Super Bowl victory, uh, we'll read them on the podcast this week. So Canoli Mafia had a couple questions. Figure we go through a few of them with you real sure. quick, and then I want to touch real quick, Nick, on defense. I know we're oh, yeah. running short on time. Wanted to real quick about defense, and I was talking about the Cincinnati game. Um, first things first. Now I don't know this answer. I don't know if you know this answer, but was this the longest regu- longest regulation game in Buffalo Bills history? Um, I do know the answer. It was not the longest regulation game in Bills history, but it was the longest home game in Bills history. So interesting. That okay. game was was like annoyingly slow. Oh and gosh. long. Um, I have the list here for you, actually. Uh, so last, um, I think it was was last year, this year, Bills beat the Chiefs 38 to 20. Was that this mm. year? Uh, this year, yes. Okay, Bills beat Chiefs 38 to 20. Yeah. Um, no, that was not this year. Was that a couple years ago? Uh, might have been last year. But that so was that the longest at that point? Uh, yes, that okay. that is the longest game in Bills history, regulation or not. That game took four wow. hours and fourteen minutes. Holy cow! This game um, seemed like it took way longer. I mean, they had the the late yeah. of the four thirty, the start of the four thirty. Yes, they did. So they long. did. Um, so so that was number one. Uh, numbered games two, three, four, five, and six were all overtime games, um, and I. Think depending on how they score, but I think this is going to end up being the fourth longest by time game in Bills history. So officially, it started at 102, and I think it ended at 455, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to put it fourth behind a couple overtime games. That seems about right because around five o'clock, 455 or so, I told my wife she'd come back downstairs. She came downstairs. <laughs> she came downstairs, and the Bills were winning 17 nothing. Then all of a sudden, the wheels fell off, and I looked at her. I go, I love you, but you need to go back upstairs. Oh, my gosh. You're messing everything it? up. And what did she say? She she took it like a champ. I got to give her a lot of credit there because, you know, I don't know if every wife would be 
yeah, you know, as understanding, but uh, she knows what 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 the Buffalo Bills mean to me and uh, and all that. So so she 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 uh, went upstairs not complaining, uh, and I really appreciated it. Um, and then our, our friends who are Dolphins fans kept texting her, "Can you go back downstairs, please? For oh the love of God, gosh. please go back downstairs." Um, anyway, okay. Uh, another question uh, from Canoli Mafia is: uh, Is it accurate? Uh, that aside from the turnovers, can you say that the Buffalo Bills really dominated both sides of the football? I think you can say they dominated the offensive side of the football for sure. I thought, you know, outside of those those turnovers that Josh Allen had, mm-hmm. that offense looked fairly unstoppable for most of the game. Um, yeah, but but the turnovers were really bad. So I mean, is it, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I totally heard you correctly. Are you saying the Bills' offense is better than than the Dolphins' offense, or that when the Bills had the ball, they performed? Uh, positively. Uh, um, so it seems like what they're asking for is, you know, more or less if you take away those turnovers that Buffalo oh, had. Oh, well, yeah. If you take away the worst things dominated. that they did, then, yes, they do score, come out much higher in the scoring. I mean, but uh, even, even then, though, Josh Allen still threw for 352. Yeah, the, the offense was great. I think I think the reason the game was close, because, I mean, we, we went through the stats at the start of the game. The Bills outplayed the Dolphins, like, Pretty obviously, it's 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 mm-hmm. the fact that some of those turnovers and some of those hidden yards, um, like really made it a lot closer than it, sh- it should have been. So mm-hmm. the turnovers were were bad, and and that's that's literally. I mean, it's it's a turning point in the game for a reason. Like it takes, you know, one turnover outweighs a lot of completed shoots. So um, I still will say yes, the Bills did outplay the Dolphins on both sides of the ball. Um, and it's it is just in my opinion like the, those turnovers were what kept the game close. I think so too. I think without the turnovers, I think it's a different football game. But I do think the Bills' defense did you know play out of their minds yesterday. And you know again, given the source, right? They're playing a a Skylar Thompson. We'll talk a little bit real quick. We'll, you know, in a couple of seconds here, we're going to get into talking about the defense and really you know that defense versus Skylar Thompson and maybe what they need to adjust going in and playing a guy like Joe Burrow. Um, did Gabe Davis finally break out of his slump? Gabe, Gabe had a nice game. Uh, I was really good to see. Um, I would. He still looks like awkward. Even that one that he actually did catch, that was like almost on the ground. Like he just still looked kind of awkward doing it. Like he still seems like he's in his head a little bit to me. But this was good progress, and I'm gonna hope uh, that continues next week. So follow up question then to that: uh, If Gabe maintains his level for the rest of the playoffs, do you no longer feel like the Bills need to draft a wide receiver for a wide receiver two spot? I would say no matter what, spend every draft pick you have on running back. I'm sorry, on offensive line and wide receiver. Uh, that is an interesting question. I would say they could still stand to upgrade a wide receiver. I don't know if through the draft is the way to do it. I mean, still maybe, you know. It's still worth drafting a receiver like in the later rounds, maybe, but I would not think that will be a day one, a round one or round two pick for them. Let me ask you this question real quick. If a guy like a McCole Hardman came available, right? He's more of a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle type of guy, shorter, short receiver with a lot of speed, very, very fast. One thing that this offense lacks in the receiver position. Is he a guy that intrigues you for this Buffalo Bills offense? Mm, I don't know that he's clearly better. Than... I, I, no, I'm not saying for wide receiver two, right? Maybe he takes the McKenzie spot for next season. Oh, although, interesting. Although you do interesting. have to compete with Shakir, but is he maybe mm-hmm. a, a wide receiver four option, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like where he would fit in. I don't know that he wants to be that. I could be totally wrong, and I'm just mm-hmm. guessing, but I would uh, – if he's not going to be – is he a, is he a true slot? I'm not I'm not super familiar with him. Um, I'm I'm not very familiar with him either. I just know that he's a dude with a crap ton of speed. Yeah, I yeah. So I could be wrong here. Uh, I'm gonna say if he's willing to take that role, then then yes. But I, I'm still looking for like another dominant guy that maybe takes some of the double teams off of Diggs. Okay. Yeah, or, I mean, or I, or, or, I, I or at like least that allows that guy to feast if they are going to do that to Diggs. Kind of like what we thought Gabe was going to do. Right. I, was, I still like Gabe, but like you can't tell me if they had another sick receiver out there that it wouldn't be great. Gabe's a great run blocker. 
which is why I feel like he sees so much of the field because he can run block because he's so so damn big. But um, I do think that they need to find a wide receiver, you know, who can really complement Diggs. Who, when Diggs is not on the field, you still need to worry about that wide receiver being out on the field one way or the other. Um, I know some people are like, "Oh, go trade for for Hopkins." I'd rather see Buffalo use that money to resign um, Poyer or resign. Um, uh, Edmonds, because let's face it, man, Edmonds had a great game yesterday. Um, real quick, Nick, before we get into the defense, mm-hmm. I know you were looking up the stat, see if it was a record, and that is a record. Brett, I, I got the it first for NFL it. player in NFL history to miss three extra points in the playoff game. In the playoffs, he's the third kicker to ever do it in a game. Sam Baker did it, he missed, uh, he had one out of four in 1968, and Rick Meyer missed. Uh, I'm sorry, hit one out of four in 1980. So we're going to see. Yeah. So third player ever, first in the playoffs. And I will also point out both of those guys had much shorter extra points to hit than we currently have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So defense, man, Tremaine Edmonds. First of all, Tremaine Edmonds. Kyrie Elam had great games. I feel like if we don't see more Kyrie Elam this week, there's something wrong with this coaching staff. The guy had a good game. I know he went down late in the game with the injury. It looked like maybe just some kind of cramp after that last play. Uh, didn't look like anything serious. I did not hear anything about it today from Sean McDermott. I don't know if you did. Um, but it's it, it, the, the the kid, you can call him a kid. He's a rookie. The kid played out of his mind. A big interception late in the game. Big pass breakup to seal the game. Uh, really what you want to see out of your first-round pick uh, this year. And he, he finally got some legitimate playing time and looked like a legitimate uh, uh, CB2. I thought that was – honestly, the, the Bills DBs picked a good day to have a good day. I thought that was one of his better games, and I really want to give credit to Tredavis White. I thought that was the best game he has played since coming back from the injury. He made uh, his pass breakup. Uh, was that on Hill or was it on Waddle? I think it was on Waddle, the one Waddle got injured on. Mm-hmm. Tremendous recovery speed to catch up to Waddle, went for the ball. Like, you know, if you can't always lock everybody down, but that doesn't mean you're out of the play. Like, I thought Tredavious White had his best game. And for Elam, yeah, he's coming along. Somebody asked me about Elam. I'm like, oh, he's having a really good year, right? I'm like, uh, I wouldn't say it's been a good year, but he's, he's coming along at the right time. And just, mm-hmm. listen, I know we haven't flipped this. We're not on to Cincinnati on the pod yet. Um, they're going to need everybody playing good against Joe Burrow and those three receivers. And like, maybe can, can Micah Hyde play? Maybe. Sean McDermott said he's not playing this week. He did he say that. Okay. Said that he's okay. not playing, which Dean Marlowe, I don't think played bad again. Second time in a row. I did not see Dean. I did not hear a lot of Dean Marlowe outside the big interception that they had on the first uh, or second drive, whatever from Miami. So uh, positive to see, right? I always go by, and I say it all the time on the podcast, if I don't hear the player's name a lot, that means the ball's not going their way or they're having a quietly good game, right? Didn't hear a lot of Dean Marlowe's name outside of the interception, so I feel like Dean Marlowe had a quietly good game. Now, I'm not one to go back and watch tape, but maybe you know some of our folks who listen, uh, who, who do watch tape, could, could fill us in on that and fill us in on their thoughts. Um, what about Tremaine Edmonds, man? He had a very, very good game. Huge hit also, uh, which if you have not seen that hit with the sound on, you need to go back, watch the replay, and turn the sound up on your uh, speakers because, man, that was loud. It was a great hit. And, uh, man, you know, like hits like that are kind of out of the game. And they were making a weird point about uh, the ball saved him from a penalty. It's like, what do you want that guy to do? Like, what do you mm-hmm. want that guy to do? Just let let someone catch it and then try to make the tackle. Mm-hmm. He like he ran he ran to the play as fast as he could, and and then he he broke it up. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. launch at the guy. He he did hit him high ish, but the point he didn't lead with his head. He didn't use his helmet as a weapon. His main point of contact was not the head. Just, just I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I'm all absolutely hundred and ten percent more than almost anyone else you will hear for player safety and especially brain safety. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know like what else we're looking at right now. Who, let me ask you this. You got, you can sign one player, Jordan Poyer or Tremaine Edmonds, who are you resigning? Yikes. Um, 
Keep in mind, Tremaine Edmonds is only 24 years old. Yeah, years I know. Old. I know. I mean, honestly, in my head, I'm, I'm trying to find the words to, to not make it sound bad when I don't pick Jordan Poyer because, like, the Bills are, what are they, 13 and 0 with him in the lineup this year or something ridiculous? He is still good. He is still a gamer. He's still got good years ahead of him. And honestly, like, we know he's playing way less than 100%. Like, he's banged up and he's gutting it out and he's still playing at such a high level. Um, so I would really, if they can, like to try to see both come back. I know not everyone likes Tremaine Edmonds, but he is like his, I think he's still improving. Like you're seeing linear-ish progression every single year. Tell me if you disagree mm-hmm. with that. Um, and he's, he's very young. And uh, the Bills like him, period. Like he knows McDermott's system. He knows what to do. He knows where to be. He knows all the calls. He knows all the checks. He's been in here five years already. And he's only 24 years old. It's just ridiculous. I think he's got a long future ahead of him. And just from a pure team building standpoint, of course, that's the guy that you're going to. If you had, you know, if this, you know, this was a binary, you know, one or the other choice. Mm-hmm. If they, I mean, Poyer, if he wants to leave for more money, like go get your bag. Not going to like blame you for that. I would like to hope that they could make something work. And you know, one more other thought I had today is do you remember like in the draft? Um, you know, we were talking, should they draft a safety? Would that make it too weird? Cause they have two guys already, you know, and, and then all that stuff that we talk about, like at the end of the season, that never matters. Like things change so much, like just go get the best players out there. The bill, mm-hmm. you know, it would be great if they had a, you know, a first round safety out there. I will say, look, if, if, if Porter does leave, Right, I, I'm kind of with you, right? I think Tremaine Edmonds to me is priority number one. Go after Burping in for cheap. He's 31. Obviously, he's been battling injuries all year. Not to say that he's injury prone at this point, but half the reason why he ended up on Buffalo is because he got injured in Cleveland, and Cleveland felt that he was injury prone and did not resign him. Now, is his body starting to break down at 31 years old? I I don't know. You're right. I'm not the doctors. I'm not in there. I it's hard to say really, but. Is this going to be a constant thing? There is a guy out there who I really want Buffalo to take a look at, and that's the safety Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Hmm. Um, plays very similar to um, to Jordan Poyer. I feel like he can be a guy that you just plug in and play right away. I mean, look, um, my boy Kyle Hamilton had had a fairly good game yesterday for for Baltimore. You know, he's a guy that if you listen to the podcast back in the draft days, back you know. What March, April? Um, he was a guy that I was very high on that I was really hoping Buffalo would would be able to get. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think look, you got to take a chance on safety, and I think Tremaine Edmonds, with the way he's played this year, I would much rather have Tremaine Edmonds back, quarterback in my defense, because um, the guy has just been a monster. You, you don't find linebackers anymore, or very often do you find linebackers who have the size, speed, and athleticism that Tremaine Edmonds has. Exactly right. Um, One more thing, Nick, real quick. I am so nervous from what I saw this week about playing Joe Burrow, about playing Patrick Mahomes um, without Von Miller because, man, this defensive front four Mm -hmm. struggled to get a lot of pressure on a very bad beat-up offensive line, which looks like Buffalo's going in and playing another pretty beat up. Offensive yeah. I, was just, line this I got good news for you. There's yeah. That's going to be very interesting to watch this week is whether any of those you can't guys send can five against play. Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. Did you think the Bills struggled to get pressure with, with rushing for? Yes. I think they got pressure once they with sent rushing for the fifth. You. Yes. Okay. I mean, I well, thought like overall on the game, like they did have a fair amount of pressure, but you're saying you felt that it only came when they added rushers. Are, are you going to, if you're Leslie Frazier, are you rushing that much against a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes? Uh, man, I mean, you really got to, depends what you're getting on the back end. Like, can you afford to lose that guy in coverage? And what's the situation? Like, they need to be very judicious, I think, about how and when they send those blitzes. Or will they do a zone blitz and, and pull somebody else, drop them back into coverage and make it look heavier? I mean, we, we've said they're going to need all the help they can get in the secondary against against those players. So 
I, I can they can they find something in the in the tendencies that tells them when it's safe? Can they? Uh, it's the bang the Bengals bring a lot of weapons, and you need to. I mean, r- really, maybe yeah, in some ways, maybe that is a better option for your coverage. Is is bring the heat, make them get rid of the ball sooner. Don't let those guys get open downfield. It's almost like you know. May, turning it into a run play, you know, try, you know, make them take a four yard play instead of a 14. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I'm more worried about them trying to send too many guys and getting, getting hurt. I mean, you know, Cincinnati's got a, you know, they got a decent defense. I don't think they're a great defense. Um, you know, they're, they're secondary by unit, you know, ranked by unit is, is ranked 10th in the league. Miami was ranked seventh. Um, you know, so Buffalo does have, and that's according to to, to Sharp Football and Analytics. Um, not too sure what PFF has in that. I have to look that up. Um, but look, they got to find a way to first of all, as as Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen needs to find a way not to turn the ball over this week. I think just play smart, Josh Allen football. Don't force the ball downfield. I think Ken Dorsey needs to do a better job of calling up plays to allow his quarterback to kind of take those short chances. They moved the ball fairly well in the one drive that. Excuse me, the one drive that we saw against Cincinnati, right? I thought they moved the drive well, moved the ball well until they got out of the red zone, mm-hmm. right? Had no problem moving the ball. Thought they thought they thought they had some great plays. Um, would like to see more of that. Maybe they come out with that same strategy, right? They never really got to call the full playbook at that point. Maybe that's the same play call. Would like to see the defense kind of change some things up because you know Joe Burrow is going to drop back, get the ball out quickly, and you know he's got some really good wide receivers. Not necessarily the speed in the wide receivers like what Buffalo saw this week against Miami with Waddle and Hill, but you still have guys out there who are able to catch the ball and make some really nice catches and can really make that circus catch if they need to, similar to what we saw with Justin Jefferson this year. Okay. I like all of the, all of those ideas. Let me ask you, this game, you know, obviously it's a playoff game, so you're going to be more nervous than a regular season game. But just in terms of the game, do you feel more or less confident in this game against the Bengals than you did going into the game that ended up being canceled? Honestly, I wasn't confident going to the game against the Bengals. It is, this, this one is at home. Right. This one is at home. I think that's the only reason why Buffalo is the three-point favorite. It's because of the home game. I think if it was a away game, I think that that point, you know, spread goes the other way. Um, could be a pick 'em. Could could be. It really could be. Um, I mean, I, I would say I'm equally as nervous. I, I would say I'm less nervous this week than what I was last week against Miami. And I feel like a lot of my nerves with Miami was more of don't be that two seed that loses to the seven seed. Right. right. If Buffalo loses to Cincinnati, you know what? You lost to a damn good football team. That deserved to be there. Defending AFC champ. Right. That that deserved to be there. That is, you know, you're playing one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, right? I think any given Sunday you can mix it up between Allen, Mahomes, and Burrow. I think there's your top three. They just all happen to be in the AFC, unfortunately. Um, but I think if you're the Buffalo Bills, you got to just kind of come out and play loose like you did the first half or the first quarter of, of the Miami game. They, everything was going right for them, and all of a sudden the wheels started falling off. And guys tried to make big plays and make too many problems. You can't you uh, can't yeah. allow those big plays to allow teams to get back into it because if you allow a team like Cincinnati back into it, you know you're gonna see you're, you're gonna see see what what you know what should have happened this past mm-hmm. week against Miami. All right, I'm trying. I don't want to get like too into a weird stat here, but. The games that the Bills have played very well, it seems like they certainly have the ability to like blitz the the bad teams. They seem mm-hmm. to have struggled more against the top teams. I'm trying to think of – I have the list up, actually. When was the last time they covered the spread against a good team? Kansas City? Uh, that really looks like it is, like all the way back to week six. I mean, that's what it seems like. Well, actually, okay, let's phrase it this way. So since they beat Kansas City, then they had the bye week. So since the bye week, the only games they covered were Cleveland, Patriots twice, and the Bears. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, I I mean, look, they haven't covered a lot. This offense, I think you go back to... Uh, They're they're actually 8-8-1 against the spread. 
you go back to what we said earlier, right? This offense hasn't been really a full blown offense till since the second half of the Packers game. And if you look at that game and you go down the list, show me another game where this offense has been explosive or has come out and covered the spread. Really? Sure. You want to give them the bears game. They look like crap the first half of the bears game and they battled back, made some just in second half and came out and won that football game. Patriots game. I never felt like they were out of the Patriots game. I never felt like New England was going to win that game. I just thought Buffalo had their foot on the gas the whole time. Um, but I mean, all the dolphins games this year were close. Uh, the Chiefs game was a 24-20 victory this year. I mean, that was also a close game. But uh, honestly, what other really good quarterback have they played this year other than Mahomes? I guess then you could give them Aaron Rodgers the following week. Um, but other than Mahomes, I mean, they haven't played a quality quarterback since Green Bay. Hmm. And now you're, you're facing a guy like Joe Burrow that can run with the ball. You know, not, not like how Allen runs, not like how Mahomes runs, but you can still run with the ball a little bit. You've got to really drop a a, a a perfect defense if you're Leslie Frazier. Uh, you got to get lucky, too. I mean, I think Miami got lucky and took advantage of, of their mistakes or they took of the Bills' mistakes. So the Bills, when was the last time you felt the Bills were, I mean, probably going back to Kansas City, but like opportunistic in a big game? I don't know. It seems like they're playing down to people a little bit. I mean, definitely seemed that way you want to go to the Detroit game, but Detroit got like sneaky good, right? Um, um, I, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, maybe even the Browns game. Right. I mean, that was also just a weird week. You know, it, it's so hard to look at the season and say when, you know, this question, that question, just because the season has just been so, such a weird season. I've never seen a, a football team go through the things that this Buffalo Bills team had to go through at multiple points of the season. It wasn't just like one thing here and one thing. It was literally, seemed like every quarter of the season, there was another big hiccup that threw a wrench in, in all momentum that the Buffalo Bills had. I got nothing to disagree with there. What do you think? Um, do you, Do you think Buffalo has chances to beat Kansas or to beat Cincinnati? Oh, I definitely have a chance. Um, tell you what, what do I always say? I'm picking the Bills every week. I'm very confident. Uh, this is the most uh, I have considered going against that, but I won't. Bills. 32 Bengals 31. Wow. So you're, you're keeping it real close. You're, you're really trying to give me a heart attack for the whole game, huh? <laughs> um, look, man, I, I, I'm okay if the Bills lose to Cincinnati, right? At Cincinnati, it's not like you're losing to Jacksonville or losing to Miami or losing to, you know, a backup quarterback in, 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 in Baltimore. Um, you know, Cincinnati's defending AFC champions. Um, I, think Buffalo can sneak it out. I think Buffalo is going to correct their mistakes. I think they're going to be the better team this week. Um, really from w- alone, what I saw from that Buffalo Bills defense this past week alone, is enough to make me feel like your defensive backs are finally taking that step that they needed to take. I think the front four is going to get some pressure. Um, you know, I, I think Buffalo is going to get a couple of bounces their way. It's at home. It's going to be loud. If that place is not collapsing from, you know, teams screaming and yelling by or from fans screaming and yelling by the end of that game, then 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 they're not loud enough. Um, everyone knows what's on the line if you win this week. I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that Kansas City is going to beat Jacksonville. Everybody knows what that means if Buffalo wins this week. A rematch that everyone's been waiting for on the, on the second biggest stage of them all at this point in in in, in the NFL this season. Um, but I think the Bills sneak one out. I think it's going to be a little bit less low. I think it's going to be a little more low scoring. Um, and I'm going to give the Bills the victory at 24-22. Oh, you're going low scoring. I'm going low scoring. I think it's going to be a low scoring football game. I really do. Okay. I, I think I think both these defenses are good defenses. Um, I think both offensive lines are, are also going to struggle on both sides. But you – you know, you got two really good quarterbacks who can move the ball, and I think you're going to see a lot more running out of both of these teams to try to get get some kind of pressure off the quarterbacks. Because Joe Burrow didn't play great last night. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, not, yeah, okay, right. He was above average for sure. I mean, he wasn't. You know, he he's was, not going to put that one on his highlight reel. 
209 for one touchdown. You know, against a pretty banged up Baltimore defense. Pretty banged up Baltimore team in general. So just just something to think about right now. Look, Joe Burrow's got some great numbers throughout the year, right? He he had a, a big game against the Patriots, but he's only had two, three, four, three hundred yard games this year. Five if you start when I count week one against Steelers. Um but he I mean, has not his had offensive a, line was, you know, how many linemen can he lose? I mean, he has not had a three hundred yard game since November twentieth against the Steelers. But he's also done a really good job of not turning the ball over, which is most important. You know, don't forget this is also the same Cincinnati team that almost lost week eighteen to a beat up Ravens team and almost lost the yesterday. They were literally a yeah. jump ball away from losing to a banged up Ravens team. You know, they almost lost to a Patriots team. This Patriots team almost came back and beat them as well. And Joe, you know, Joe Burrow came out and threw two interceptions that game. I think Joe Burrow's good, but I think you can bait him into mistakes. And I think Leslie Frazier needs to be that great defensive coordinator mm-hmm. that we know he is, that everyone craves for him to be. And I think you see see him really take that step. And, and honestly, this week and next week, if Buffalo can win this week with a great defensive game plan and win next week with a great defensive game plan, Leslie Frazier will be a head coach next season. Might be already. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Nick, quick shout-out to the sponsors before we go. Ethos Performance Rehab. If you guys uh, want to buy a T-shirt, they're actually selling T-shirts this week. Uh, if you want to feel better, play better, perform better, and feel better afterward, Ethos Performance Rehab. They are your guys who know exactly what muscle connects to that bone and works the most. Fire fires, you know, does the majority of the load between zero degrees and twenty degrees, and after that, then you're getting this other deltoid muscle. I don't know. I'm not describing it right. They can explain it better. Give them a call. Eat those performance rehab and tell them the process sent you. Where can we buy these t-shirts, Nick? At Ethos. You have to go in. Oh, uh, okay. Well, if, if you well, if you send them a message on Instagram, I'm sure they will reserve you one. All right. I, I'll have to send send one to Dr. Matt. Uh, by the way, your your brother Joe tweeted the best uh, uh, picture yesterday of the Batman or Wolverine in bed with the picture of Von Miller. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I felt that right in the field. Um, but, yeah, shout out to, to Ethos. Appreciate them, as always, doing great stuff for the community up there in Buffalo. And before we go, I do got to mention this Thursday is Ryan Miller night <laughs> for the Sabres. They're, Don't retiring rub it in. His, they're retiring his jersey. It's going to be great. I'm going to be there. I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about it on the next pod. Yes, we definitely got to talk about that. And at some point, you know, I'm not, not rushing it because I don't want to rush it. We gotta talk Sabres we'll hockey. Talk man, about Tage later. Because we'll, we'll get into it Super later. Bowl. Let's Tage, get it. Tage can wait. Let's get it. Tage could wait. Tage could wait. Uh, well, hey man, you guys still warm up there? What a season he's having. Yes. Also, yeah. Can they get some goaltending? Yeah. I mean, Ukupeka Lukanen hasn't looked too bad. That's gonna do it for us. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you like what you heard. Tell a friend, leave us a five-star review, leave us a comment, subscribe, make sure you get that sent right to your phone wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you name it. Uh, On behalf of Charlie, thank you for listening. Have a good weekend. And Charlie, tell them what they need to do. Remember to always trust the process.